for choosing the podcast of LifePoint Church in Ozark, Missouri. LifePoint is a body of believers led by God's Spirit to engage in His redemptive mission in the world. We love Jesus and desire to serve Him by leading people to be real Christ followers in life together. We hope that this message will be a blessing and an encouragement for your life. If you would like more information about LifePoint Church, please visit us on the web at www.lifepointozark.com. Take your Bibles this morning. Open to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9. We are in a series entitled Worship to Witness. And um, today we're going to look at just a couple of words. Isaiah chapter 9. We see this prophecy of a Messiah child. That will come. And verse 6 says this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of His Word today. In this Worship to Witness series, we're focusing on two principal aspects, really. We're focusing on the who of God and who He is through the names of the Messiah child that would come in Isaiah 9-6. And this beautiful understanding that for to us a child is born, physical birth, the incarnate one, to us a son is given. He is not only a child but he is uh, that has become uh, human, but he is God who is divine in every way. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, and today we see, Wonderful Counselor. Today we look at God as Wonderful Counselor counselor to worship him that through our worship we might become a faithful witness to him and this is the second aspect of this series not only do we look at who God is by the names given to him through this prophecy but we look at how his work motivates us to bear a faithful witness in the world and last week we began really by looking at Three primary motivations that throughout each of these names, we will see these motivations move us not only in worship, but through our worship to a faithful witness. And it was the motivation of salvation, that God has saved us, of righteousness, that He is redeeming us, He's sanctifying us, and it's the motivation of mission. He has called us and sent us into the world. You see, our witness always reveals our worship because our worship is what's fueling our witness. Our witness, whatever we bear witness to in the world, always reveals what we are worshiping in our heart because it's our worship of the heart that fuels the witness of our life. So today we see that we will worship Jesus as wonderful counselor that we might become a faithful witness to him in the world. You know, bad counsel can ruin your life. Can it not? 
It can. Let me tell you about a story of a man who in 2012 was convicted of multiple criminal charges and sentenced to 12 and a half years in prison. And he appealed the sentence, arguing that he should have a new trial because he was defended, and I quote, by a man who was ineffective, incompetent, and had no idea what he was doing. The irony of his argument was that the man had chosen to defend himself in the trial. True story, true story. His argument suggested that the court was to blame for his conviction by letting him represent himself at trial. Quite frankly, in our day and time, I'm not sure why he didn't get off. But the judge reminded him of his repeated advice to use legal counsel and then also that he had provided advisory counsel throughout the trial for him that was free. And so the chief public defender, in responding to the newspaper and sharing his opinion, said this, and I think this is valuable wisdom for us. It's always a mistake, referring to a person defending themselves. For the old saying is that a man who represents himself has a fool as a client. That's pretty good, isn't it? Let me ask you this today. What are you asking from God? What are you asking for from God? Maybe it's something you need from Him. It's a need in your life and you've said, you know, the right thing to do is for me to go to God and to ask Him. Maybe it's something you need to know. Maybe it's a question you've posed or a situation that you're confronted with or a problem that you need to solve and you feel as though you need some information, some good information to be able to to address this situation or this circumstance. Well, what I want us to see this today is simply that we're always asking something of God. We're always asking something from God. But today I want us to focus in this understanding to to ask ourselves this. Are you asking to receive an answer or are you asking to be filled with awe and worship? How are you approaching God? It may seem trivial. It may seem trite to make this distinction, but your response reveals the motivation and the desire of your heart. You see, every answer from God is worthy of worship. But if you wait to worship until you've measured and you've judged God's answer, worshiping was not your interest as much as using God to get your own desire. Friends, the Bible instructs us And challenges us to receive by faith that praise and thanksgiving are always a right path into God's presence. And they're always a right response to every answer that is received by God. No matter what God's counsel may be, He is always worthy to be worshipped first. Because in any answer He gives, He is revealing His perfect His good and His pleasing will to you. And so I want us to focus on this this morning. So that when your request is not made from a heart of worship, you understand that any answer you receive will not produce worship within you. For God's counsel always proves wonderful when by faith we request and we receive His will, His work, and His way in our lives.
Here's the big idea I want you to walk away with from today. It's not a surprise. We know who this son is that was given. And I want us to move in this direction very intentionally today in our worship in order to be a faithful witness and to simply understand that Jesus is God's wonderful counsel that fills us with awe in worship and leads us to a faithful witness. That Jesus is God's wonderful counselor that fills us with awe in worship and leads us in faithful witness. First of all, let's look at the title that has been given. These words are capital letters, and so they're a title, an official title, a formal title, Wonderful Counselor. First of all, the word wonderful, that word responds to the, or presents rather, that which is impossible to fully understand. It, it holds an aspect of the mysterious, of the extraordinary, and, and that which is beyond comprehension. And so when we talk about wonderful as the scripture is using it here, we're talking about something that is described with a miraculous nature to his word and, and something that is distinguished by the wonder with which it produces in us. We're not just talking about an ordinary wonder, but we're speaking of a wonder that is distinct in every way. And he's telling us that it is this wonder that distinguishes his name. It distinguishes his name. In Judges 13, we see an illustration of this word. For an angel appears to Manoah to announce the birth of Samson. Now, most of us are familiar with the story of Samson. He was one of the judges, and he was a man of great strength, but he was under a vow. And as long as he did not cut his hair, this great strength from God that was beyond comprehension. I mean, he did things that are just so far beyond normal human potential or probability, it was unfathomable. And and so the angel comes to his father to announce his birth. And when Manoah asks his name, the name of the angel, the angel responds in this way, why do you ask my name? It is wonderful. In other words, it is beyond understanding, your translation will tell you. You see, the name of God is the center of his authority and the center of his power. What did God tell Moses in Exodus 3 when Moses said, You know, if Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all the human world, asked me why I'm here, what am I going to tell him? And what did he say? He just said, I am. What? I am. He gave him his name. Why? Because at that name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confessed. Glory to God the Father. God's name is the center of His authority and of His power for His action as well as for His answered prayer. And so God begins with His name every time in Scripture. He wants to reveal His power. He wants to reveal His glory. He wants His name to be known among the nations Because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12 tells us. And when God's name is known, His glory produces worship. Worship. His name is wonderful in its very attributes and characteristics. His name is also 
counselor. This word for counselor means one who determines or plans or intends or purposes. It it comes as an informed, deliberate decision on a matter and then with the ability to take action. That's why God's counsel for us is so important, not just to know, but to be obeyed. Because as counselor, God doesn't just give information that we can access, but once He makes a determination, He leads us to take an action. Our knowledge must lead to obedience for it to bring the joy of worship in our hearts. God's counsel is the perfect determination of His purpose, of His intention, of His satisfaction, of His provision, and of His plan for life. And it's also the power within which we are to live out His will and every dimension of it. And so Jesus, as wonderful counselor, brings to reality God's eternal life within us. We talk about eternal life, but too often I fear that it remains some kind of nebulous theory some otherworldly kind of concept that we talk about in the right places, in the right moments, and around the right people, but it doesn't translate into reality. But what Jesus Christ does is he brings the eternal life of God into human flesh and blood and bones, and he brings it into the reality of our lives. And so this wonderfulness, his wonderfulness, Excuse me, addresses our mind, it addresses our heart, and it addresses our spirit in a way that information cannot and does not succeed at doing. One of the old hymns in the garden exemplifies this for us how God's wonderful counsel works within us. The verse says this, the second verse says, He speaks and the sound of His voice. Right? Just pause for a moment. The sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me, what's a melody? It's just that little line of dancing in the rhythm of the heart that leads us along. Within my heart is ringing. And the refrain of the song says, He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me that I am His own. The deepest longing of every person ever. And the joy, excuse me, and the voice I hear as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You see, what Jesus does as wonderful counselor when He speaks to our life, is is he fires the mind and he rings the heart with a glory that addresses all understanding with his greater wonder in awe-filled worship. That's what Jesus does. And what I want us to do with the remainder of our time today is I want to look briefly at seven characteristics of the wonderful nature of God's counsel that bring us into all-filled worship, and that empower us to a faithful witness. First of all, we see that wonderful counselor is eternal. That wonderful counselor is eternal. Psalm 33, 11 tells us that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. 
You see, God's counsel has no shelf life. It has no due date. It has no best by date or expiration date. And its warranty has no end. God, God will never say something to you today that becomes less valuable for you tomorrow. You ever thought about that? Today's counsel in God's realm is not just for today's need. It's for the remainder of your life. It is a brick upon which he is building your life. What he says is always, it's always right and it always works. You see, Jesus is eternally relevant. He is eternally effective and he is eternally sufficient for all of life. His counsel is eternal in power. 1 Corinthians 1.25 tells us that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've never seen the foolishness of God, nor have I ever seen counsel from God that I would have called foolishness. But God would dare say that the foolishness of mine is wiser than man's wisdom. You see, God's counsel is far more greater than humanity's cumulative wisdom. And this is important for us in a day of political correctness. When the tide of humanity's wisdom is so strong and the current is so overwhelming. God's counsel establishes and accomplishes His will. And His word says that His will cannot be thwarted. And so Jesus' counsel is eternal in its power, but it's also eternal in its perspective. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 tells us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, the eternal perspective of Jesus' counsel makes it incomparable. What God knows and what God does and what God thinks and how he works are nothing like us. Do you know what a mem is? A mem is one of those little pictures with writing on it that flies through Facebook so quickly. It's usually some kind of old picture from days gone by, but it has some kind of new cliche on it, you know. So let's imagine a mem of, uh, with a picture of you and God next to it. Do you know what the caption would read? One of these is not like the other. And it's pretty easy, whichever way you want to use it, to go, yeah, that's right. Some have tried to match God's wisdom, but none have compared with the multitude nor the magnitude of His counsel. God is altogether higher in every way. And so His counsel is eternal in perspective, but His counsel is also eternal in its scope. In its scope. The, the Bible tells us in Romans 11, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and, hear me, inscrutable his ways. That's a hard word. I've got to be careful with it. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Friends, unsearchable and inscrutable in every way is the wonderful counsel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God does not consult with others, but he speaks and then he brings everything into alignment with his word. And one reason we may not understand God's answer when he gives it is because we do not see what he sees. But we are not commanded to understand his answer, rather to what? Obey it. Obey it. God has not commanded something that is impossible of us, but empowers what he commands of us. Jesus' counsel leads us in God's everlasting, eternal way. Where do you go for counsel, friends? Where do you go for counsel? Friend? Maybe a professional? Probably depending on the situation and the magnitude of the answer that is needed. But friends, when we go to God, we're not consulting with great experience. We're not consulting with great expertise. We are consulting with omniscience. He is the one that is all-knowing and all-powerful to bring what he knows to be. God grounds us in perfect understanding and perfect experience and perfect power for eternity. Yet, God is often the last one we go to in our time of need. But friends, when we seek the Lord, we are inquiring of His perfect eternal counsel. Not just an answer to a problem, not just a solution to our question, but wisdom that is beyond the ages. And so God's counsel fills us with awe and worship because it pours into our hearts His eternity. His eternity. God's counsel is wonderful that leads to worship because it's eternal. Now this next characteristic multiplies the glory of God unimaginably even more. But the second characteristic of God's counsel is this. That wonderful counselor is personal is personal. Might I just stop us here for a moment and direct us to see the span that we have covered already in the counsel of God. It's gone from eternal to personal. We've moved from eternity to a mist, which Scripture says is the extent of our life. You see, friends, there is no measure of existence within which God's wonderful counsel does not apply completely. Jesus' wonderful counselor brings eternity into the personal. Psalm 139 does such a beautiful job of helping us understand this, to help us see this, to help us worship in regards to this characteristic of God's personal nature of his wonderful counsel. It presents this glorious revelation of God's knowledge of our lives. Ultimately, God knows us and intimately he is knowledgeable about every detail of your life. And and the psalmist himself is moved to all-filled worship when he simply states, such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too lofty for me to attain. You see, the most wonderful counsel worthy of worship comes from an eternally wise God who holds a most intimate knowledge of your life. But Jesus' knowledge of us is not the only personal characteristic. For the scripture tells us that Jesus' counsel 
to us is as glorious as his comprehensive knowledge of us. Psalmist says in chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, I praise the Lord because he advises me. Even at night, I feel his leading. I keep the Lord before me always because he is close by my side. I will not be hurt. You see, when God answers questions, when he addresses our concerns, when he addresses our requests, our thoughts, and our prayers, he supersedes our intellect. His counsel addresses not only our understanding, but our whole being. And who better to counsel our whole being at once than the one who knows our whole being best? Good grief. I don't even know if you understood what I just said there. I was putting D's in that sentence where, let me try that again. Who better to counsel our whole being at once than the one who knows our whole being best? There is no moment or situation in which Jesus' counsel is not sufficient to lead our life. Jesus' counsels us where, where we are, what, whatever situation we are in or dealing with. He addresses our fears, He addresses our doubts, He addresses our unbelief so that He might grant to us faith and that He might lead us to a deeper understanding of and, and obedience in Jesus. You see, Jesus meets our every personal need with His perfect wisdom we often go to jesus and go jesus i need you to expand my understanding so i can trust in you but trust and faith doesn't come from within us it comes from the spirit of god to us and it is by his wonderful counsel that it brings all in us and inspires a faith-fueled worship from us you see jesus meets our every personal need with his perfect wisdom and God's counsel is wonderful that leads to worship because it's personal to us very personal and, and I want to extend this aspect of how he addresses our whole being to the third characteristic which says that wonderful counselor is spiritual spiritual in the nature that is personal and he addresses our whole being we understand that it is spiritual God's wonderful counselor speaks to the deepest areas of our life God's not satisfied to swim on the surface of your life friends he's deep diving and probing into you Psalm 119 129 explains your testimonies are wonderful therefore my soul keeps them you see the psalmist is saying your word your wonderful counsel has pricked my heart and captivated my soul therefore I want to keep them. Jesus' counsel is so wonderful that it resonates deep within our soul to empower our walking in obedience. The counsel of God's word engages more than the mind's intellect, but it includes the heart's affections and the will's volition and the soul's longing to capture our entire being. The wonderful counsel of God penetrates all the way to the soul of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, God works primarily below the surface to address all of life, to relate with the real you. Not the you that you often put in front of others, but the you that you know and sometimes you don't know. 
or do not recognize. God's word penetrates to speak to the center of our life, to search us out and to disclose the purposes of the mind and the heart, God's word tells us. God's counsel addresses the heart where sin roots ultimate condemnation and lies hidden. And he addresses us there that he might bring true life in righteousness. Friends, we must throw our trust and throw our hope and throw our faith into the wise, wonderful counsel of our eternal God as it is eternal and personal and spiritual speaking to the center of our lives. For the scripture tells us that the heart is deceptive above all, deceiving even ourselves. And that's where God's counsel addresses us. That he might bring true life in righteousness. You see, his counsel sources and guards our spiritual life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Not because of you, but because that's where God is living in you. Psalm 119.11 tells us, I have stored your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. God sources his greater glory from a new heart that satisfies and leads in righteousness and in godliness. And, and God's word supplies fuel for the heart to source all of our life. To, to shield the heart against sin's attacks and sin's infections that set up and grow within us. And you see, friends, other things may well aid us, but nothing replaces God's word in us. Only his word is sufficient to help us when sin tempts us. For the light of God's counsel sources our strength and it stands guard to dispel the deception of sin's temptation upon us. God's counsel gives spiritual strength to keep us from sin's deception and condemnation. 1 John 3.20 says this, For whenever our heart condemns us. Why would our heart do that? that? Whenever our heart condemns. You ever pause at that phrase and go, wait a minute. Why am I doing this to myself? That's like a father who takes his son's hands and goes, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. And you go, I can't stop hitting myself. You've got control of my hands. Why does your heart condemn you? You ever think about that? Because it's ruled by something that you can't control. Whenever our heart condemns us, God, are you ready? Is greater than our heart. And He knows everything. Praise God, I can stop hitting myself. God's counsel encourages us when our own heart condemns us. When it protects us from ourselves. When we're defeated or when we're deceived by sin. God's wonderful counselor works in the real you to guard you from you. His counsel is wonderful that leads to worship, friends. Because it's spiritual. Probing to the center of our life. Now, the next three characteristics, they'll, they'll remind us, and we'll move a little quicklier through those, but more quickly, excuse me, not quicklier. Good grief. People make me nervous. 
But these will remind us that God, that, that whatever God says, are you ready? Whatever God says, whatever is sufficient. So are you ready to hear that today? I pray by God's Spirit, we will be ready to receive in faith and worship. The fourth characteristic I would offer to you is that wonderful counselor is provisional. Provisional. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is not hold card. Uh, hard, cold facts. Good grief. This is divine provision for the necessities of life. What God tells you is not just for you, friends. But it's for good. And it is for your good. No, I, I haven't always liked things that came this way. This is for your good. There's a lot of things I haven't liked that came to me that way. But I have learned to appreciate the good that they have brought. And the evil that they have guarded me against. Some of you aren't going to believe this next statement. God cares more about you than you do. He's already given more for your good than you have. And he's better at caring for you than you are. God's wonderful counsel leads us in what is good, even when we're confused about all that might be good for us. God leads us in his will. And sometimes that's in a different direction than we've been traveling. Two, two words help us to understand God's counsel. God's counsel in, in this verse in Psalm 32, 8 tells us that, that God instructs us and he teaches us in his counsel. Look with me at these words. First of all, instruct is, it's just the basic idea of imparting knowledge. It's, it's what we think about in instruction and teaching. God gives what we need to know to do what we need to do. That, that's set forth. It's straightforward. But the second word that accompanies it is he teaches us. And teach moves beyond imparting knowledge to a gradual understanding whereby there results a change in action and in attitude. There is a growth that takes place in the life. God's intent in his counsel is far more than simply to impart knowledge. God wants to teach us his ways. God wants to teach us His ways. He teaches us to change our actions and to change our attitudes. And He does so with great care and with great compassion for us. God works to make us more like Him in all of His counsel. No matter how minuscule you may feel that what you need or what you need to know from God is... Even in the microcosm of that information you think you need, God is going to instruct you and He's going to teach you. 
when you trust the provision of God's wonderful counsel, you will focus on His transforming work in you more than the changes around you. For God's wonderful counsel compassionately transforms life for His greater glory. God's counsel is wonderful that leads us to worship because it's provisional in every way. And many of those ways we've yet to even see, let alone to comprehend. The fifth characteristic of God's counsel is that wonderful counselor is prevailing. It is prevailing. Proverbs 19 verses 20 and 21 says to us, Listen to counsel and accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. This characteristic is sinful, but it's essential for us to grasp and to take hold of. When we seek God's counsel, we must understand that it is prevailing, not optional. Prevailing, not optional. This directs us to listen to, but also it directs us to listen for God in all circumstances instead of just listening for what we want to hear from God so we can justify ourselves in whatever it is we're seeking counsel in. Demanding what we want to hear always destroys us with pain and with hurt. Trusting, friends, God's counsel regardless of where it comes from, means that we trust Him to lead in His everlasting way, even when it seems more difficult for us in the moment in which we receive that counsel. And so understanding the prevailing nature of God's counsel positions us to receive counsel from God that moves our life into His will, not His will to accommodate our life. It reminds us that We serve God and His purposes that we submit to His counsel regardless of where His counsel leads for His counsel is prevailing. We are not prevailing. Our every petition unto God in humble trust of His prevailing counsel is simply this, Thy will be done. And so we approach God with a humble yes by faith before we make our requests known. You see, Christians worship God's counsel as prevailing when they stand ready to fully submit their lives to Him. I remember one time I was doing marriage counseling with a couple, and they were having serious trouble. They were in the ministry, and because of the situation that they found themselves in, they didn't feel free to share with those closest to them in ministry. In other words, they just felt like it would be uh, too much of a, you know, it likely would cost them their ministry if they shared this. Reports would get written up and it just wasn't worth them. And, And they both came to me and they said this, man, we don't want a divorce. And we don't want a divorce because we believe God's word says it's wrong. And because God's word says it's wrong, we don't want a divorce. I'll be honest with you, when I sit in a counseling session and that's the first thing I hear, I feel like I'm on a speeding locomotive without brakes headed for a divorce. And all they're trying to do is stick their foot out and stop it. And it's not working. 
So in a couple of sessions, I listened to them explain their problems. They were real problems. Extensive, deep-rooted, long-standing issues. And here's the irony. They agreed with the issues. And at one point, I finally said to them, stop, just for a moment. Can we agree that you agree on what the issues are? And they said, well, yeah, yeah. He's got problems and I've got problems. Or she's got problems and I've got problems. Good. We have a point of agreement. You both have issues. Wait a minute. That's not really what I said. But yes. Yes. And so we, we began at that point. And then they both acknowledged, in addition to those issues of each other, their own failures and their own sin. They acknowledged it as sin that prevented them from taking steps towards reconciliation and working through their problems. You see, here, here, here was their sin. And these are their words, not mine. One was hardened by pride, and the other was hot with anger. Hardened by pride and hot with anger. And that's how they were relating to one another. That, you know, pride would flare and blame and cause fault, and anger would flare and throw it right back. It's like a bad video game, you know. They're throwing fireballs at each other. And as I listened, we, we just began to talk in circles. And, and I, I realized this is going nowhere. So I stopped and I asked, you say you don't want a divorce. You say that you know God's will. You say that you know you're in sin or outside of God's will. But I want to ask you both. What will it take for you to be so deeply broken that you become desperate for change in your marriage? For you tell me you have the counsel of the wonderful counselor in front of you, but you're too hot in anger and too hard in pride to just say yes to it. Now listen, I... I'm maybe skipping over a few details of the conversation here to get to the point for you. But my point is nonetheless the same. It often does boil down to the very simplest of things in our life that simply says the problem is not that God hasn't spoken. The problem is not that God hasn't worked. The problem is not that we don't even have an understanding of ourselves. We just don't like what God has said. And we don't like what it's going to cost us to follow it. And I told them, this is going to ruin your ministry. It's going to take you to a place that you know God doesn't want you to be and you don't want to be. It's going to do something to your children that you don't want it to do. It's going to rip your life apart in every way. But you tell me that you can't be broken to a point to where you just let God have his way. And that's what sin does in every one of us. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I just don't want God to have his way. You see, a lack of understanding is never the cause from which we reject God's counsel. It's always pride. It's always pride. And those who walk in their own understanding never prevail in life. Why? Because wonderful counselor is prevailing. We humble ourselves 
to trust God and to walk in faith as he counsels even when it opposes our position, even when it crushes our pride. For the counsel of wonderful counselor is prevailing. It's prevailing. Yes, friends, let me just go back and make one more pastoral application to that illustration. But pastor, are you telling me I should just lay it down? I absolutely am. Not telling you if you don't need some counsel and help not to get it. But I am telling you at the end of the day, when you see your sin, you know where God is working in you and where He wants to bring righteousness through salvation to bear in you. The sixth characteristic is that wonderful counselor is blessing. Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, the Scriptures comprise God's eternal wise counsel. We're taught to pursue it. We're taught to follow it. We are warned against the dangers of life without it. God's blessing is illustrated throughout the Scriptures, yet we often do not live with an attentiveness of seeking God's blessing. And friends, you can't walk in your own wisdom and expect to live in God's blessing. It doesn't work that way. When we walk in the Lord's counsel, we enjoy a comprehensive favor on our life. A favor bestowed by the creation and crea- or excuse me, the creator of all creation and the author and the origin of all that is. And no other counsel provides what God bestows on those who walk in his counsel. This is very simple. That wonderful counselor is blessing. Those who want God's blessing in life walk in his wonderful counsel. His counsel is wonderful that leads to worship because it's a blessing. You see, some of you are here today and you go, who would that apply to? That seemed really short. Here's who it applies to. It applies to those of us who know and are at the crossroads of making a decision. Will we walk in what we know and what we want or will we walk after God? One way has His blessing. The other way does not. Where do you want to live? The final characteristic and the most important is that wonderful counselor is a person. It's a person. Isaiah prophesied of what? A child that would be born, a son that would be given. He prophesied of a son given to be God's Capital W, wonderful. Capital C, Counselor. It's not just road information. It's a person. God's counsel is a counselor is a person. And until the counsel of God's word, listen to me, until the counsel of God's word and the leading of his Holy Spirit and the input of his people and the understanding that you receive points you to the person of Jesus Christ, it's not yet reached the status of wonderful. It's not just information that comes from God being wonderful. It's the one who is the truth and the way 
and the life, and that's Jesus himself. Jesus is God's wonderful counselor that is given to us, and we bear a faithful witness when we build our lives on his counsel given to us in his word, when we surround our lives with a community that's being shaped by his counsel, and when we share his eternal counsel with others. You see, Christians submit their life to Jesus as wonderful counselor, and they trust in his all-sufficient wisdom for all of life because they're living in his eternal life. God's counsel is wonderful. That leads to worship, friends, because it's a person. Because it's a person. And I'll stop there today. Let me ask you this as the worship team returns. God's counsel is not just something to know, but it is someone to be known by Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And as Galatians 4 tells us, are you known by Jesus? Because you've put your faith in Him and you're trusting Him for eternal life. Will you worship God in humble surrender as you seek His counsel? Trusting that His way is always wonderful. Let me pray for you. Father, help us in this moment and in this time to trust that whatever you say to us, whatever you have for us, that your way, your will, and your work in us is always wonderful because of Jesus. So help us to look to him even now and to place our full faith and trust and hope in you. In whose name we pray, amen.